0: Welcome to the IQ Meets EQ podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Broman, Principal Solicitor at TBA Law and CEO of Legally Wise Women. And I'm here with Ush Danik, former corporate lawyer, then head of HR and now an emotional intelligence coach. Good morning, Ush.
1: Morning, Jackie. How are you going?
0: I'm really well.
1: Yourself? Good, good. Very early here, but we are are on fire, so we're
0: good. is I think we're going to get into a habit of doing these things really early but you know we're both early birds so that's we are. good <laughs> Um what's happened for you in the last week or so Yeah look um for me in the last week I was actually
1: having a coaching session with one of my clients and we were talking about you know the usual stuff around the morning routine talking about being early birds and having our routine, and this week actually i 've been really revising my nighttime routine
0: Oh, interesting
1: <laughs> Yes, so my nighttime routine, just to share with you guys, is reading for for about ten to fifteen minutes. I try and do at least ten pages a night in the mm. evening, and after that i 've got this emotionally intelligent process that I work through, and it takes about five to six minutes. But it's basically reflecting on your day. So the reflection of the day is just a quick, you know, a checklist of what the wins were, what the learnings were, and then how did you respond and what what were your emotions during the day. And I find that if I give myself uh, five to six minutes to do that at night, you know, some days that you have a really bad day, you, you can't stop thinking about that situation. Yes. <laughs> So what this technique does, and it works so well, is that our brain knows that we've got five to six minutes at the end of the day to process whatever's gone on, and then we can put that literally to bed, hence you do Hmm. it at night, and then it's just a meditation routine for 30 minutes. So that's what i was sort of playing around with this week.
0: Wow, that sounds amazing. I've never really thought about my evening routine. It's usually at least keep all digital things out of the bedroom, mm. um, but it's usually go to bed. If I read, I'll read and fall asleep with my finger still in the page of the book because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm usually asleep within two or three minutes of getting into bed. So, yeah, that's nice. It's a good way of closing down the day.
1: It is and it just stops that procrastination, I think, that we're sometimes so guilty of when we're, you know, laying at night and and we do tend to be a bit harsher on ourselves and, Mm -hmm. you know, we really need to just be mindful of what that inner critic is telling us before we go to bed.
0: Yeah, Mm, very good what about yourself yeah look I um this week flew up to Canberra for a day it was sort of felt very indulgent for me because I met up with a friend and it was the middle of the week and I've never done it before and we went and saw the love and desire exhibition at the National Gallery so it was lovely
1: amazing that sounds great and it's lovely to do a midweek treat to break the week up
0: Yeah, it was. I think I might have to make that a bit more of a routine every couple of weeks, just have a midweek break. might not be as indulgent as taking a flight. But yeah, the love and desire, the paintings were pretty amazing. I'm not, you know, overly arty, but a couple of them really resonated. There were quite a lot of really huge paintings um, with really powerful images of women in them. And one of them was called Fortitude. And actually i 'm not sure if it was a woman a woman or a man in the image. I think it was actually supposed to be fairly gender neutral, but it reminded me of the image of justice with her with her being blinded and she 's got her um, sword in one hand and the scales in the other. Um, Fortitude was an image of a um, a blind person, but she wasn 't her eyes weren 't covered they were mm-hmm. opaque, and she had a sword in one hand and a shield in the other and in the shield there were multiple arrows but she was standing up on this raised platform and it was just so powerful.
1: That sounds incredible. It reminds me of, um, you know, you get those tarot cards.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I've had a similar
1: image <laughs> think when I've had my tarot read but yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I can literally just visualize that and picture that.
0: Yeah, so that was, it was a really powerful image, and it's the only one actually that I took a photo of when I'm there, so I might share that on our show notes so people can see that image.
1: Absolutely, that'd be amazing.
0: Hmm. Uh, so the other thing I wanted to talk about this morning was a link that was in Women's Agenda during the week. There was a headline that came out of an announcement that the UN General Assembly President. Uh, Maria Fernanda Esponza said that gender parity is now 107 years off. Jackie, should we share them share with the
1: um, listeners what our response was just before we hit live on this? and
0: record? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so well, I heard your response. <laughs> <laughs> I was basically like, what? Wow. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, mine wasn't as, as shocked I was like oh yeah here we go like it, it sort of made me a little angry and I'm like well it's not surprising but then I reflected on it a little bit and I thought well who is making these calculations what are they basing it on and what is parity is it um, across every country in the world and how does that even look once we do have gender parity
1: yeah, I agree. And I, I think you're right, it's distinguishing what is parity, but but for me it's the one oh seven. It sounds very specific. Yeah. <laughs> like I wonder if there's um, you know, a formula based behind how they got to one oh seven or I, I'm a bit of a skeptic to be honest when it comes to things that are published in the media as well. Mm. Um, around the way that headlines are phrased to incite some of that. I wouldn't say fear. I guess looking sometimes it is fear, but it incites Mm. that nervousness or angst amongst us at times, especially when it's a controversial topic such as that one.
0: Yep, yep. It's certainly attention-grabbing. But then in the body of the uh, article itself, the minister is quoted as saying in 2015 it was calculated it would only take 30 years to close the gender gap but the trend has been a downward trend in the last couple of years and she then said so gender gender equivalence will not be reached for 107 years so she said it so it's interesting but you
1: know, Yeah mm. but again it's the whole gender equivalent and and I know we spoke about this before we even recorded our podcast and we met but it's it's all around do we want to be Equivalent, Like, again, what is equivalent? Like, yeah. I think we really need to embrace the fact that we are different. Mm. Um, so it's a case of embracing the differences but but not yeah. having inequality. That's in right.
0: Not having a disadvantage. Mm.
1: That's right. That's probably the better word. Yeah, not having a disadvantage yeah. um, and, and really embracing the differences that we have, which I think is so important and needs to be, you know, celebrated more. And, mm-hmm. and likewise, so do the men
0: that in, in that instance as well yeah completely that's right because we all do have our strengths that are that have their own merit absolutely so I am actually going to dive a little bit deeper into this and find out over the next couple of weeks how they calculate it and and whether they have a definition so I just thought that was interesting
1: yeah maybe we can write a blog or something about it for our for our listeners
0: yeah yeah so this week I sat down and had an interview with uh, Tracy Sofra. So, I'm going to share that recording with you in a minute. And Tracy Sofra is actually a mentor of mine. She's been an accountant and a financial planner for over 25 years and been in business for herself. She's the author of Finding Financial Freedom and she's the CEO of Wow Women. And so, let's welcome Tracy. So, I suppose what I want to do with this podcast is have some intelligent conversations with women and men about women feeling comfortable asking questions and getting answers without feeling um, intimidated or um, silly because uh, I think that women can hold themselves back whereas if they have the information up front in a way that they understand and also see other women. Doing it that way as well, I think that you know it's a way of empowering them.
2: Oh, it's a brilliant way of empowering them. And it and it's so important to ask questions. Because how do you learn if you don't understand?
0: Exactly. Or you just go through life thinking everyone else must understand and I don't. So it they must be right, and you just get led along a path without knowing better. better. No, exactly right. And not only that your personal growth is only going to go so far
2: Uh, unless you absolutely understand in your own terms, in your own mind, you can't progress forward. You're kind of just playing the game really, aren't you? You're kind of just on the surface playing the game, but you're not really achieving anything. And that's just so unfair to yourself and the people that you're with as well because we, this is the part that I still miss too myself that I have an impact on everyone around me Mm. and it's not just about me. You know, most of the time we think it's always just about us because we live in our own heads. Maybe I live in my own head, (laughs) but I impact everyone around me as well and we are all very important to each other. And we need to value that 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 needs to be something we don't forget so if you're not asking questions not only are you letting yourself down but you're letting others down around you because you're not going to actually grow and evolve and become who you should become which will impact everyone else around you that's how i
0: see it yeah true you wouldn't meet your potential would you if you didn't know what opportunities to even go for
2: mm. absolutely and uh, What I don't, I've never had a problem asking questions. I don't know why. But, uh, mainly because I need to satisfy my curiosity. I need to understand, otherwise I'm frustrated. Mm. I, I, unless I understand, I can't progress forward. So I don't really know. I, I'm probably just going to sit in limbo and I don't know how to do that. So, for me, it's always been about if I don't ask the question, I'm going to be so frustrated. So no matter how I look, it doesn't really matter. As long as I get there in the end, um, I need to clarify what is going on. And I always say to my kids, there's no such thing as a stupid question. And if you don't ask questions, you're never going to learn. So keep putting your hand up.
0: <laughs> Very good.
2: So what did you want to be when you were growing up? Well, funnily enough, I know this sounds... Weird, but um, I wanted to be um, a dance and drama well I'm, I'm not teaching, but that was one of the options back in back in our day, there was always the um the security aspect which I think has changed a lot these days, um, obviously with the internet and the opportunities that the internet presents people it's not the traditional um, career path that we were given or we were spoken to about. So my parents always spoke about going and getting a good education and working in one place and getting the respect of the community and the people around you and and working with nice people around you and and being loyal and committed, and that's what you do the rest of your life. But that is so not now, is it? So the teaching aspect wasn't the passion. It was more about the drama and the dance, and dance was my first love. My wow. First love. Loved it. Love it. I still love it.
0: So, you've been an accountant though now for 25 years. So, how, has, how has that career that. come about?
2: Well, I fell into accounting. Accounting found me. I didn't find accounting. But, funnily enough, my, my brain is very good at that. I seem to have, I I don't know whether accounting taught me that or I had a natural ability. Maybe a combination of the two, but I, I have the type of brain that I'm a very good accountant. I, I think logically. I compartmentalize things in my head. Um, I can segregate things in my mind. I have that sort of a analytical brain, if you like. So, and that's great for accounting, but yeah, accounting found me. I didn't find accounting being good to me though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But how, when you, cause you returned to uni in your twenties and did you go straight into doing the accounting degree or was it a business degree and then you majored in accounting? No, it was a,
2: it was an accounting degree up front. So I was working and uh, prior to that, I was working as a registrar in a school office. And I guess, you know, the tape recording you have in your head and the tape recording is my father. Of, uh, one day you will, you know, you need, you need to get an education. You need, uh, independence. You need to stand on your own two feet. You're, you're not to rely on anyone. And that comes, that's a whole other conversation of where that comes from. And, you know, no matter how long in your life that you choose to ignore these conversations or these recordings in your mind and you go off and digress, ultimately I came back to that. And when I came back to that, Uh, accounting was the only option Hmm. because it was offered here in my hometown I didn't have to leave it was a part-time degree and there it was and so I jumped at it and said okay this is great this will secure me for the rest of my life I will have an education a higher education and I'll be able to support myself for the rest of my life let's go let's take this option
0: yeah great and then you um, worked briefly for someone else and then have been pretty much in business for yourself for your whole yes. career?
2: Yes, so it was a very short time that when I first started the accounting degree, I was working for an accounting practice. And um, after 12 months, I decided that I couldn't do this part-time anymore. I needed to go and complete the full-time degree because it was just going to take too long. Hmm. And I really don't like being the lackey in the firm. I needed to be the leader in the firm. That's just who I am. And I thought, this is going to take way too long. And I'm not going to be second fiddle here. So I'm leaving. (laughs) And um, I'm going to go and finish this thing. I'm coming back as top dog. And I did. So yeah, went off to Melbourne and that was in my mid, mid to mid, mid twenties, I guess, and finished the degree. And my boss was kind enough to have me back when I came back home. And well, he did because I was very good at what I did and I was a good yeah. worker and I was honest and, and, um, and yeah, so, um, and then probably I'm thinking another couple of years with him. So it was a very short stint, maybe three years and then went into, my own business with my husband and have been in our own business this is year 24 so yeah worked for myself most of my life
0: yeah great and at some point you did your financial planning Mm. degree as well
2: yes very interesting when I completed my accounting degree at that point financial planning was offered at RMIT as a degree and I looked at it and I thought I would love to do financial planning. That sounds really amazing. Came home, uh, got my job back working as an accountant and the CPA course came, the Australian Society of Certified Practicing Accountants, which is your postgrad. So in accounting, you either become a CPA or a CA chartered accountant. I chose the CPA path and when I got the paperwork, I looked at it and I said to Terry, who now is my husband, I said, oh, what am I going to do with this? And uh, because i just finished uni and I wanted a break and he said, just do it. <laughs> and I looked at him and I went, oh, okay. So I just did it. <laughs> um, I thought I better just complete my accounting degree with a postgrad and just did that. Once I completed that, the years had passed and GST was coming in and we were already, you know, fully into our own practice, preparing for this massive change. And I looked at it and I thought, you know what? This is going to be horrendous and this isn't much fun. This is probably a good time to get out of accounting and start financial planning. (laughs) So once again, I went to Terry and I said, what do you think about financial planning? How about I set up a financial planning arm to the practice? And he said, go for it. Sounds amazing. And so I went down that path. Um, It wasn't easy at the start because, being in a small business and being one of the the major accountants mm. in the firm, I had to replace myself and that was a challenge. Mm. I tried to do financial planning and accounting at the same time and nearly had a nervy. Very difficult to do. But ultimately, you know, uh, with anything that is frustrating, you find ways of evolving and changing. And so, you know, found a replacement and went fully fledged,
0: I think in 2001, took a couple of years to do that and haven't looked back since. Great. Um, And obviously you've got, other than the financial planning, which you are passionate about, you've got the passion of bringing women together and networking with women, having established WOW Women. So where did that passion come from? That's really interesting.
2: Uh, That came from when I was working, the story behind that is this, when I was working um, for my old boss before we started out here, I remember him coming around to everyone's office and saying, Come on, fellas, we're going to a, a gentleman's lunch and um they were going to some seminar and it was only for blokes. And I looked up and I thought, What's all this about? What's what's the go what about me? I thought what's going on here? I thought, just gonna have to do something for women, aren't we? And so that was the inspiration behind That was way back in about 1997. It was a long time ago. And so when we started the practice here, Terry and I, in 1999, I went to him and I said, you know what, how do you feel about me? So, you know, everything happened in the (laughs) year. How do you feel about me um, creating an event um, where we uh, fill a room with women, we give them lunch, we get a keynote speaker, and we – encourage them and pump them up and make their hearts swell and they go out and they conquer the world and he said sounds great go for it and so of course I did and that was so I did that for I think four or five years so 1999 2001 two three and one two three yes five years I did that for and that was just an event and I loved doing it but it was such a lot of work to do whilst I was Running the practice. When you're in your own business, it's as you know what it's like. It's many hard hours, and that the name that I created back then for that was Women in Focus. Mm. CBA has that name now, but Mm. I did create it before them. Anyway, good (laughs) luck to them. That's all good. In 2004, I had April, our daughter, first Mm. child, and I was the typical. I was 39 at the time, and I was the typical um, career girl and i didn't know what hit me it was uh it i struggled i struggled a lot it was really really difficult for me at the time and yeah so you know between 1999 to 2003 the, at the end of the year was the last one that i did in 2004 i had april i had another child in 2008 and it was only probably 3 years after that that i kind of resurfaced i guess the brain fog was gone and i thought I'm bored. I need to do this stuff again. I sort of, you know, raised my head and went, oh, "What's going on?" Yeah. Got on the internet because we didn't have the internet back then. When I did all those events, it, this it may have been around, but it wasn't what it was today. Nobody had mobile phones. We did print media. We we mailed. We physically mailed invites and all this mm-hmm. sort of stuff in the paper. In the paper, all that sort of stuff. So it was a totally different world. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have all that sort of stuff. So I've got on the internet and I'm fossicking around, having a look what's going on. And one click led to another click and that's where I found women in focus and thought, oh, my God, they've got my name. (laughs) Now what am I going to do? And, of course, you go through the process of, oh, you know, I shouldn't have stopped and I had the idea and it was, you know, such a long time ago and now what am I going to do? And everything's destroyed so you have that moment. And that night Terry came home and I told him I was devastated and you know what he said? Like blokes do, they're awesome. They go, oh, just get another name. <laughs> and I, it's so clear. Cool, yeah. Oh, I know, right? Well, so clear. Here's me, you know, oh my God, oh, the world's come to an end. And I looked at him and I went, oh, yeah, okay. He goes, I didn't like that name anyway. <laughs> and, and wow, women was born. Great. And away we went. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a long winded story, but um yeah, that's where it came from. But the passion mm-hmm. the passion has always been about empowering women. I just love to be able to facilitate that. I think I think I, I think about this often myself and I and, and it's only until people like yourself ask me that I try and get some clarity around why I do what I do. But I think I'm really good at bringing people together. Mm. And when I do bring them together, I want to tell them that they can be so much more. I just want to give them the confidence and the inspiration and the empowerment of whatever it is that they're looking for to make their lives better. Mm. To if they imagine they could, I want to show them that they can,
0: you know? Isn't it funny that we see so much potential in other people, but in ourselves, we tend to beat ourselves down and shrink back, whereas others tell us how much we succeed and, and what we can do.
2: Yes, very much so. I know. Yeah, mm. I'm guilty of that.
0: <laughs> so as a successful woman.
2: So you say that and I think successful. Mm. Well, I don't think of myself as successful, but, you know, I just, yeah, I just do what I do.
0: Yeah, that's, that's interesting because, I mean, you are successful on almost every metric that most people would even look at, aren't they? Aren't you? Family, community, business, financial security, health, your image. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> <Pardon> the the <pun. laughs> um, Yeah, yep. Yeah. So, yeah. what, what are your pain points? You know, you're, you're successful you know, like you say, you still think you're normal. You still beat yourself down. You have things going on in your head. Why? I, think, <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, I think,
2: I think I'm just always humble, really. I don't, mm. I don't have that nature of I'm fabulous. Everyone look at me.
0: No, but it's not even about that, is it? It's just, no. it's well, never you do, about that. No, but you do have the level of confidence that comes with a successful woman
2: yeah and you know my dad um that's that came from my my upbringing and my father i've got him to thank for that i do i definitely do but at the same time i'm just a normal person like everyone else and Mm -hmm. i never ever like to make people feel intimidated Mm -hmm. although and that's another conversation that we sort of touched on before but i always like to make people feel at ease and that um there's never any higher power here or judgment when you're talking to me i don't like that that feeling of intimidation or gosh she's got it together and I better behave myself Mm -hmm. that makes me very uncomfortable because we're all human and we Mm. all have the same emotions Mm. we all tick the same way bottom line that's the bottom line isn't it
0: yeah it is it is I wonder if it's a little bit more of a regional attitude as well because we're you know fairly close to our communities and you know we see each other and our clients in the supermarket and on the side of the um, sports field on the weekend and at the school things yeah of and,
2: course hmm. yeah and I love that though I love hmm. that I love that connection um, with my clients with the community I think we're privileged that we've got that I consider that a privilege that we've got that yeah yeah we are
0: that. very lucky yeah. with the community as we are
2: yeah and I think you know a lot of the time at, this is one of the perks of getting older and doing things for a long time <laughs> understand that You're not just bringing your obvious education, expertise, experience to the relationship. You're bringing, if you allow it to happen, I do, you're bringing yourself to the relationship and yourself as a person has another dimension and has multi levels to share as well. Obviously from personal experience, um, from insights, from dealing with other clients. There's, there's another multi level of wisdom, I guess, that you can bring to that client relationship and and I think that's the most powerful piece
0: that's really nice, because I love the concept of wise women. What advice would you give to yourself at twenty one if you could? Oh, I'm always scared of these questions. <laughs> I guess the one of the main things
2: I would give myself is to just lighten up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like, you know it's not the end of the world. Lighten yeah. up. Do you um, tell April that, uh, yeah, I try to, she's very intense. Like me, she's taken those traits. She's very hard on herself. And I do say, you know, just tell me, have you done your best? Cause you can lie to everyone else but you can't lie to yourself. You can say, yeah, mum, I did my best, but deep in your gut, you know, you didn't because you sort of, you know, took four hours on Instagram the other day and you, da, 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 you did all this other stuff and you didn't really give it a good shot, did you? So you can't fool yourself. So if you've given it all yourself, then that's all you can do. Hmm. That, that's, that's the bottom line of all you can do. And I guess, and I'm always conscious of that, you know, she does say, things like I know you and dad expect so much of me and I think and that makes me then come back as a parent and go oh what am I doing but there needs to be a level of expectation because if you if you create a level of expectation people will rise to it
0: yeah and look I think knowing her the little bit that I do Mm she has high expectations for herself and she's achieving a lot, isn't she?
2: Yeah, she is. And, and I think deep down in your own gut, if you are that person, it's purely because you know you can do better.
0: Hmm.
2: Because you know yourself better than anyone else. You know what you're capable of, whether you want to do it or whether you can be bothered doing it is another question.
0: But, um, <laughs> you know, that's life, isn't it? True. It comes down to this book that you've just put me onto. I know, right? <laughs> What's it called again? The Slight Edge. That's the one. Oh, that is a magnificent book, isn't it? Did it you is. finish it? I haven't finished it. I'm chipping yep. away through the middle at yep. the moment. Yeah. Well, I was lucky enough to read it on holiday so I could finish it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you it just bridges. absorbed it. Yeah. And I've got to read it again. You get more from it every time, every pass. absolutely mm. Absolutely. Mm. So as a final thing to leave with our audience, do you have little daily rituals or something where you check in with yourself throughout the day or once a day to to just see how you're going or measure um, or even bring yourself back to reality?
2: I, I, I'm conscious of this, and I think I said this at the start, I'm conscious of the effect I have on people around me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so one of the main things that I try and check in on is as soon as I walk in the office door that I am in the right frame of mind and positive because energy is a my energy affects everybody else's energy so um if i walk in going mm, 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 everyone's going to be mm, 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 you know so uh, that's if is that
0: a check in jackie i don't know um i think it is it's a level of being conscious of yeah. how you affect people that's for sure
2: i try really hard not try I, I actually am conscious when i walk in that door and i think okay right you know, I might be tired, or I might be a bit cranky or a little bit stressed, but I always try and make sure when someone says, how are you going, Trace? I go, yeah, good. How are you? Okay. So may not be absolutely true that day, but no one wants to hear what I'm stressing about all the time. You know, like everyone's got stresses in their lives. So let's, let's try and make sure that we're pleasant to be around and, and, and we're helping each other throughout our day. With my kids, if I, if it's a day I'm picking them up, uh, I check in on myself to make sure that I'm ready to listen to their day and I love picking them up. I love saying, how was your day? Tell me what happened. Talk to me about what happened because I'm fully involved in their lives. I know all the ins and outs. They still speak to me, thank goodness. <laughs> and, um, we keep a honest, open conversation and, you know, you know, the crush and this and that and all the dramas and whatever else is going on. Other times, when I'm getting dressed, so probably I'll just leave you with this one, when I'm getting dressed in the morning and if I'm thinking about my day and what's ahead and I'm not particularly excited about it or there's a quite a busy day, I just check in. In my wardrobe, I have a section where I've got a photo of my mum and dad and I just check in now, every time I open that cupboard because that's where my undies are, can I say that? <laughs> <laughs> I open that every morning. <laughs> Um, is this M rated? No, um, sorry, Jackie. (laughs) At least you Um, them to work. That's good. (laughs) Well, that's right. Oh, we should, shouldn't we? And, um, and I always see his photo and his words resonate in my head and I just, I replay them and it just reminds me of who I am, who I am, what I'm capable of. And, uh, let's, let's get on with it.
0: That's fantastic. Mm. Thank you. Very valuable. And thanks for your time. I hope it was valuable. I'm, I I do love sharing. It's one of my
2: things. I'm probably too much of an open book. People always say to me, "You are, um, you're very transparent." Or hang on, what's the other word? You're very easy to read. And I think, well, I don't know how else you can be. To be honest, nothing to hide. No. Well, why why hide stuff? You know, it's all good. Yeah. Thank you, Jackie. Absolutely. I appreciate I appreciate
0: being on the show. Thank you for asking. No, you're welcome. So she was really talking a lot when I spoke to her about asking the asking questions and not being afraid of asking questions and how she's never held back with asking for clarification and questions throughout her life and she encourages her kids to ask questions and that there's never a, a silly question and that is... Probably a real difference between me and her because I do hold back and not ask questions quite a lot. I do worry about um, the perception that someone else will have if I ask a question. And I also sometimes in the moment I don't even can't even articulate what I want to ask until after the fact, and then I'm like, oh damn, I should have asked that. So that was a really good conversation to have with her.
1: Yeah, that's just making me think about what it is that I do um, in those situations. I I think I'm more of an ask the question person. For me, I would struggle with the fact if I've walked away from something without getting the clarity I needed. Mm. And I feel like I'm not doing myself justice if I'm not clear, whether that's on a you know, a task or something I need to do, or if it's just more clarification on a conversation we've had and a topic that I'm more interested in. And I think we, we over, overthink what people think of us when we ask questions as <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah. Like i I've, I've not really had any negative responses really, like in the last recent years in, in my business and in my career of asking questions. Yeah, I think we just overthink what potentially people will think of us. And if we can just get past that and get what we need, uh, it will make us more engaging and more interesting as people as well by being able to ask those questions.
0: Yeah, it was an interesting thing to reflect on. And I think you're right. And particularly with the junior lawyers that I've got, I certainly want them to be asking questions. I don't want them to not understand what I've said and then go off and completely do something different or or then have to redo something because they didn't understand the first place so I think there's a lot of merit in uh not worrying about what people think and just asking
1: yeah Mm. I think it just what reminded me of that situation you're talking about in law firms I remember when I when I moved to Australia and I was in the law firm I I remember working with a colleague who was similar to to those junior lawyers that, that wouldn't ask the questions and it wasn't that she wasn't intelligent. It wasn't that she could do the job, but it was just her perception of how she was going to be received Mm -hmm. in the end. It is that um, issue of how she was feeling in terms of confidence. So, you know, I think it did hinder her in some ways in, in her ability to, to feel safe, I guess, as well and be able to ask those questions. And I think that's if we're talking about it in a business sense or you're a business leader, I guess, how safe are you creating that environment where people aren't judged for asking questions and, and how freely can they do that. And if you're modeling that and you yourself are asking questions of people that are also junior to you too, I think that's a really good sign of going, hey, it's okay, we don't know everything. And I was also in your shoes one day too.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's right. And I think um, it's called practicing law for a reason because we're always practicing, <laughs> yes. aren't we? You can't know everything. And the other thing that Tracy really Spoke about, although I'm not sure if she even picks up on this theme when she speaks, but she certainly talks about uh, how much, particularly, um, her father has encouraged her throughout her life. And then she also talks about even her husband encouraging her at a couple of critical points and how conscious she is as well of her impact on others. So it was a great couple of things that came up throughout the conversation, almost like a theme, I think, which. Again, was really interesting to reflect on because it's something that I'm trying to be more aware of is my impact on others and not necessarily consciously trying to develop them, but just modeling who I am might be enough of an impact to influence
1: yeah, I like that. I think you're right, modelling who you are. That's that's a great way to, to start making that impact, right? And just again putting that mask down that we were talking about at the last mm. um last session that we had together and letting people know that this is who I am and it's okay and I have the same fears as you do. And again, it's about creating that safe space. It just reminded me of of what I do with my daughter who's turning nine next week and you know, at that age they're constantly asking questions. And I think it's so important again to to embrace that and you know bite your tongue at times when you are frustrated you're busy and you've got another question that's being asked (laughs) yeah but um yeah to really embrace the fact that they are curious and I guess look from an EQ point of view one of the things we do teach around curiosity is that it it does die as we go a bit older uh, and and grow up so to really embrace the fact that you know have that childlike curiosity in everything we do. And it goes back again to, to making us interesting people, which then leads to us being more influential
0: too. Mm. Oh, that makes me a little sad that our curiosity might die off. I don't ever want to stop being curious.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It does. And it's also linked to imagination. So, you know, you remember as kids you were given like even boxes or whatever it was, that was lying around the house and you'd make, you know, again. sounds of aeroplanes or rockets or whatever it was and, mm. and and we do as adults we lose that ability and again goes back to that using the high IQ side of our brains as we grow up. Whereas when we're kids, we're naturally more inclined to use more of the right-hand side of our brain.
0: Hmm, Interesting, interesting. Uh, And the other thing that came out of my conversation with Tracy was really success over the long term or the long game. I suppose that she's played without even thinking about it, because, like I said, she's been in business herself for twenty-four years. She's been an accountant for over twenty-five years. She um outwardly has all the um, signs of success and so as a woman 20 years younger than her I look at her and I think that's exactly where I want to be but I've also got to bear in mind that it's 20 years down the track so I can't have it all now necessarily I've got to play the long game as well and just be persistent and consistent
1: yeah. And, and you're right. I think it's that consistency around um, knowing what it is that you want to achieve in that in that space of, you know, 20 years, if that's what it is for you and what that looks like and that consistent action, whether it's daily or weekly, that's keeping you on track. And it's having that awareness and keeping it at the forefront of your mind.
0: It is, I suppose. And it's also if you're really focused and you know what you want, I suppose you're not chopping and changing all over the place. And the more consistent you are, the further you're going to get, aren't you? If you're chopping around, you're never doing something completely. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think if you if you align it to your values as closely as you can, then you know that it's always going to be in the periphery of what you do. If you've got that integrity, and you're gonna, you know, behave in accordance with your values, and if that's one of your values, then you, you're automatically going to start doing things like that.
0: Yeah, which is I suppose so important as well for our audience to you know take an hour at some point and actually try and articulate what your values are. Because I've done the same thing over the last five years or so and tried to actually have a list of you know, five key values that I have and really work out, okay, on a daily basis, do I stick to my values? Am I living to what I value? Because sometimes, you know, I value freedom quite highly. And on a day-to-day basis, I'm probably not very free in a lot of ways. Although, you know, I've got freedom of movement and freedom of communication and all those sorts of things, freedom to own what I own property, freedom to be able to say what I want to say and believe what I want to believe, which is great, but I've sort of tied myself down so I'm not completely free, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it's also a mental prison, which sometimes can Mm -hmm. be worse than actually being in jail.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're exactly right because it is, it's a a restriction I've placed on myself and it's only myself that can undo that. That's a new whole new podcast topic there, Jackie. (laughs) (laughs) Values and and a mental prison. Yeah, it is. No, I'm sure we'll speak to some amazing women as we go who will focus very much in on using your values as your foundation as well. Won't we? Mm, Absolutely. Hmm. So let's tell our audience where they can find us if they want to connect with us.
1: Yep. So for me, it's uh, my website, which is www.ushdanek.com.
0: Brilliant. For me, it is... Uh, JackieBroman.com.au, or I do have LegallyWiseWomen.com up and running, just so people can sign up for a newsletter, because I'm going to be putting out the um, updates on our podcast episodes through that newsletter as well. So that's the place where people can keep up to date, and um, through my business website TBALaw.com.au, they can all my links to emails and things are there as well. So, what have you got on today? Today I'm actually going into a dental
1: practice and working with one of my clients there. So, oh, fantastic! Yeah,
0: In- yeah. Um, emotional inter- intelligence as a bedside skill for a dentist—that's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, and again, as you know, you know, dentists are extremely high IQ. So yeah, dentist is an area that I really really enjoy working
0: with. <sighs> That's really interesting because I heard something about the other day where people who have been victimized in some way physically are often terrified of getting in a dental chair because they're, you know, laying down with someone over them and it's completely, you're so vulnerable in that position, aren't you? Mouth open, can't do anything to stop it.
1: (laughs) That is so true. I never even thought of it that way, but yeah, wow, that is interesting.
0: Oh, well, there you go. That might add something more to your day.
1: (laughs) It will. might do a bit of a research on a couple of my patients there that were there and that we know.
0: (laughs) And for myself, I've actually got a day in Melbourne today, so I'm getting the train at 7 Um, (gasps) o'clock. So that gives an indication to everyone how early we're actually catching up. So I'll jump on the train soon and get into town and spend the day in there and um, catch up with a couple of clients and a couple of business associates, so should be a good day. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. All right. So thank you everyone for listening and our next podcast will be out soon. So talk to you then. Bye. Bye.